Hello, friends. Welcome to Read Him and Weep. It's me, your host, Sammy. And we're going to start off this episode with a little bit of news. This episode will be dropping on Wednesday morning. And on Friday, your boy Sammy is flying out to Vegas. That's right. Me and a good friend of mine, his name's Josh. He's a really good friend of mine. He's also a stellar poker player in his own right. Got comped a few nights at the win. And so we're going. We're going for the weekend, and this weekend is going to be all about two things. It's going to be, number one, about eating really good food. Going to hit up Lotus of Siam, SW Steakhouse, uh, the Henry in the Cosmo, maybe some other places. Who knows? I don't know if there'll be enough time. And then number two, a lot of poker. Like a lot of poker. Like a shitload of poker. It's going to be amazing. Like I said, we're staying at the win. I anticipate that a large majority of my action will come at the win. They've got a great card room there. Um, And I'm also going to try to get out to Bellagio for at least one session. So what that means for the podcast is, first of all, the next episode should be pretty fire. I'm sure I'll have some great hands from the weekend to put on the pod. And then secondly, it may be delayed a little bit. I'm not getting back home until later on Monday and... I'm sure I'll have a bunch of shit to catch up on. My kids will want to see me, you know, those little selfish bastards. So the podcast may be delayed a little bit from when it usually comes out, but uh, it should be worth it. So that's the news. Wish me luck, you guys. Uh, With that, let's get on to the hands from this week. All right. So it's been a really good week of poker for me, Uh, you guys. I've been playing good and running really good which is a far cry from the first half of the month where I kind of ran like newborn baby shit. I mean, just things were not going well. I do feel like I was playing pretty well, but things just weren't going my way. And here in the second half of the month, particularly in the last week, they have been. So we love that. Both of these hands that I have for you today come from this past week of poker. So let's get into them. Hand one, I have ace jack offsuit under the gun. By the way, playing at the California Grand, my home ballpark, 235 game, 1K max. So I have ace jack offsuit under the gun, and I raise to 20. Now, in tough games, this is just a fold under the gun. I think this is a really marginal hand to play under the gun, ace jack offsuit. I think most players are like, oh, yeah, ace jack, fuck yeah. But I really only try to play it if it's a pretty loose passive table. This one is. So I decide to go ahead and play it, obviously coming in for a raise, and I raise to 20. Of course, the by the nature of loose passive live games, we get three callers behind me and the big blind calls. So four of these assholes call, and we go five ways to a flop, and the flop is really, really good for me. It's jack three deuce with the top two cards spades. So I'm going to do my best in this hand to reiterate the flop and the orientation and the suits of the cards a lot because the suits of all the cards in play, I really think come into play here. They're very important. So I'll do my best to repeat them. I have ace jack offsuit with the ace of spades and jack of hearts. And then the flop is jack of spades, three of spades, deuce of diamonds. So I flop top pair, top kicker, and I have a really, really good hand on this flop because I have the ace of spades in my hand, which takes away all sorts of nut flush draws and combo draws like ace four and ace five of spades. Uh, And then also because the jack is the jack of spades, nobody can have jack x of spades. Like nobody can have jack 10 of spades or queen jack of spades or whatever, which will have a lot of equity against me. So again, 
Jack three of spades, deuce of diamonds on the flop. I have ace of spades, jack of hearts. I flop top pair, top kicker. And also nobody should have an overpair here because nobody re-raised pre-flops. So unless somebody's got a set of threes or a set of deuces, I'm in really good shape. It's a five-handed pot. There's a hundred in the pot. And I decide to bet 40 after the big blind checks to me. So I don't need to go too large here. A lot of the times in these spots, I like to make, you know, a moderate size bet on the flop, like half pot or a little less, and then really put the screws in on the turn after people call somewhat wide. So I bet 40 into 100 and I get two callers. The cutoff calls behind me and then the big blind who checked now check calls. So we go three ways to a turn and the turn is the 10 of diamonds putting a second diamond on board. So jack three of spades, deuce of diamonds on the flop, and then 10 of diamonds on the turn. I have ace of spades, jack of hearts, and the 10 is a really good card for me. There should not be a whole lot of jack 10 out there. Obviously, jack 10 gets ahead of me, but but because there's only two jacks available, right? There's one in my hand, one on the flop. It's not a big worry. The big blind checks to me, and now I decide to put in a nice chunky bet. I bet 150 into 220, about two-thirds pot. The cutoff behind me folds, and now the big blind who had checked again, he thinks about it for a little while. He tanks for a little bit, and he ends up making the call. So I love that he ends up making the call here because I feel like if he had something better than my hand, if he had two pair or he'd flopped a set or something, he'd be check raising here almost all the time because there's so many draws now available. There's a spade draw and a diamond draw, two different straight draws. Like I I think he's just check raising all day. So when he calls, I feel very confident that I have the best hand. The river comes the eight of diamonds, putting a third diamond on board. So jack of spades, three of spades, deuce of diamonds on the flop, 10 of diamonds on the turn, eight of diamonds on the river. Now the big blind thinks for a little bit and he bets 220 right into me. And I think that taking kind of a 30,000 foot view of this, I'm getting a little better than three to one on my call, right? The pot was about 520 and he bet 220 into it. So I'm getting better than three to one on a call. And you can just basically blindly call here with top pair, top kicker. And over time, it should be plus EV for sure. That said, it's a pretty chunky bet. And I start thinking about what he'd be doing this with. And I kind of arrive at this thought. And my thought is that this is either a bluff or he's got me beat. I almost never think that he's betting a hand worse than mine for value, right? It's not like he had a jack with a smaller kicker and then check calls two streets and then decides to leave the river when the board gets scarier, when the backdoor flush draw comes in and all that. And like, from his perspective, I could still have over pairs, et cetera, et cetera. Like it just wouldn't make any sense for him to bet a worse hand than I have for value. So it's either a better hand than me or it's a bluff. And I start thinking about the orientation of the board and the suits of everything. And I start thinking about that. I don't actually have a great candidate for calling. And the reason is twofold. Number one, I have the ace of spades in my hand. And because I have the ace of spades, it takes away a lot of the draws that he could be calling two streets with and then deciding to randomly bluff on the river. You know what I mean? Like a lot of his missed hands would be missed spade draws that he called two streets with and all of a sudden bluffs the river with. I block a lot of those with the ace of spades. 
Secondly, I don't have a diamond in my hand, right? I have the ace of spades and the jack of hearts. And so he could have easily made a backdoor diamond flush here. And I start thinking of all the combinations of diamond draws that could arrive here. And there's actually quite a lot of them. It's jack of spades, three of spades, deuce of diamonds on the flop, 10 of diamonds on the turn, eight of diamonds on the river. He could have easily called the flop with something like ace four of diamonds or ace five of diamonds that had a wheel draw and backdoor diamonds and ace high. He could have had five, six of diamonds, five, four of diamonds, six, four of diamonds for straight draws and backdoor flush draws. He could have ace three of diamonds on the flop, right? Middle pair with an ace with a backdoor flush draw. Um, he could also have all of the jack x of diamonds. He could have flopped top pair with diamonds. He could have queen jack of diamonds, king jack of diamonds, jack nine of diamonds, jack eight of diamonds, ace jack of diamonds. He can have all sorts of jack x of diamonds. And furthermore, if he was chasing a spade draw, there's actually a, a, a few spade draws that actually got there on the river in a backdoor way, right? He could have queen nine of spades that, you know, check called the flop and then made an open ender to go with the flush draw on the turn and then made it with the eight on the river. And that could have been why he was thinking about it so hard on the turn before he called. Maybe he was thinking of check raising with his big double combo draw. Same thing goes for nine, seven of spades, right? That made a straight on the river. He could have 10 eight of spades for river two pair, right? He was he had 10 eight of spades on the flop and then he hit a pair on the turn and then he rivered two pair. So there's actually a number of spade draws that actually got there on the river too. And because my hand doesn't block any of the diamond draws, it doesn't block any of those spade draws that got there, but it does block a number of the spade draws that he might be bluffing with, I actually decide on a fold. And let me tell you guys, I'm actually really proud of this fold. I never saw this guy's hand, so I don't know for sure, but I'm not a guy who makes a lot of hero folds. I'm not big into folding big hands, especially when I'm getting a pretty good price like this. Like this is not a hand I would normally fold, but I really thought through the hand lucidly and I really arrived at this answer through what I think was a good process. There are a couple other factors. Number one, I didn't really know this guy. I'd never played with him before. I'd been playing with him in this session for... I don't know, like an hour or two. And he hadn't done anything crazy. So it didn't seem like he was prone to bluffing per se. And then the other thing is like the population doesn't really take this line as a bluff. They don't check call, check call, and then all of a sudden decide to bluff lead on the river. I see it sometimes when they're chasing a draw and chasing a draw and then they miss and then they do decide to do it. But in this case, a lot of the draws got there on the river. So I just think he's extremely weighted toward value. And like I said at the beginning, I think that calling here is fine because we're getting really good odds. We only need to be good like 22, 23% of the time for this to be a profitable call. And I think just overall, you're fine calling just blindly. But in this situation, all these things added up and the way I thought through it, I just thought, man, I, I don't think I'm good here quite enough. Like I said, I'm really proud of the thought process that I used to arrive there. I never did see the guy's hand. Later, he did tell me he had two pair, but I never saw the hand. So he could be bullshitting, but I, I think it makes sense. And, uh, you know, it makes me feel better to believe him anyway. So we're going to go with that. Congratulations to me. I think it was a good fold. Uh, like I said, it, it's it's not too often that I make big hero folds. And even though this was a pretty close spot, man, I'm not going to lose any sleep over this. I, I think I arrived well at this decision. So Obama putting a medal on himself dot meme to me. All right. 
All right, that's hand one. Hand two is another really interesting spot, I think. Stay tuned for that. All right, hand two, two, three, five at the California Grand Casino. Again, different session than hand one. In this hand, under the gun, who is a loose, bad, passive fish, does what loose, bad, passive fish do under the gun. He limps for five. I'm next to act, and I have jack nine of diamonds. Now, this is a hand that I usually don't play from early position, but in this specific spot, I want to isolate this loose, passive, bad player, so I raise to 25. It folds around to the small blind, and he calls the 25. And the small blind is a guy that I haven't played with before, but I've been playing with him for a little bit at this session, and he seems pretty loose and aggressive. I haven't really seen very many of his hands, so I can't be sure, but certainly his frequencies are way out of whack. He's open raising way more than other players. He's multi-barreling way more than other players. Like he, he just seems like a loose, aggressive guy. So he calls the 25 and then the loose, bad, passive fish who limped originally under the gun, he calls a 25. So we go three ways. I have position on both the loose, aggressive guy and the fish, which we love. And the flop comes ace, nine, eight with the top two cards clubs. Ace, nine, eight with the top two cards clubs. I have jack nine of diamonds. So middle pair, no kicker to speak of, a nebulous backdoor straight draw. Both players check to me, and I think both checking back and betting small are fine. Uh, I've told you guys before, sometimes in these multi-way scenarios, I don't know what's best. Obviously, no worse hands will fold if I bet, but I think there are a number of worse hands that can call, particularly straight draws that wrap around the, the nine and the eight. And then also club draws, right? Ace, nine of clubs, eight of hearts. I think there's yeah a decent amount of hands that I can get value from. So I do bet a little less than half pot. I bet 35 into 75. And the loose aggressive guy in the small blind makes the call. And the fish under the gun does what fish do when they don't hit the flop. They just fold. So he folds and I go heads up with the loose aggressive guy to the turn. And the turn comes the brickiest of bricks and offsuit four. So ace, nine, eight with two clubs, four diamonds. I have jack, nine of diamonds. And the small blind again checks to me. And I think checking back here is just fine because the incentive of my hand as a middle strength hand, I have middle pair with no kicker, is to arrive at showdown relatively cheaply and see if the moderate showdown value of my hand is any good. That said, I just kind of feel like this hand probably plays a little bit better if I bet here because I can bet the turn and then check back the river. Sometimes I'm good, sometimes I'm not. But if I check here, he can put in a big bet on the river and I'm going to have to call a lot because I have a bluff catcher. So if he's under bluffing at all, like if he's not always bluffing his missed draws, then I get owned a lot when he has ASEX. Now, pre-flop, I really didn't think either of these guys were highly weighted toward ASEX because the under-the-gun guy didn't raise, and then this guy didn't three-bet. Certainly, that takes out a decent amount of the big aces, but there's still a number of aces that 
both players could have obviously under the gun is folded, but this guy could have a decent number of aces, right? He can have a lot of suited wheel aces like ace three, ace five. You know, he can have hands like ace six suited, etc. And if he's playing really loose, he might have some offsuit combinations of that as well. So while he has fewer aces than a lot of players would um, in certain spots, I think that, you know, he still has a decent amount. So anyways, I do decide to bet here with the intention of checking back all rivers and seeing if my pair of nines is good. So I bet 75, about half pot, 75 into 145, and he starts tanking. And he goes into the tank and he's thinking about it, thinking about it for kind of an inordinately long amount of time. And while he's doing this, a realization comes to my mind. He has showdown value. Why? Well, because if he just had a draw, like he just had a club draw, this would be a no-brainer call. It's not that big of a bet and he can easily call. So I feel like, man, this, this guy probably has showdown value. He's probably got a weak ace and he's considering if he calls here, what he's going to have to call on the river. So I'm like, shit, like it, it's not very often that you just put somebody on one kind of hand. A lot of times when you're ranging opponents, you put them on a range of a couple different types of hands and it's not that often you can really narrow it down. I wouldn't call myself a hashtag team live reads guy by any stretch, but for whatever reason in this moment, I really just said, man, this guy does have showdown value. He does have an ace here. And he's really thinking about if he wants to continue in the hand. So when he makes the call, I'm just like, well, shit, I'm, I'm shutting it down now, right? Because if he calls here, he's definitely calling the river. And he does make the call. And then the river comes a really interesting card. It comes the three of clubs putting the third club on board. So ace, nine, eight with two clubs, offsuit four on the turn, three of clubs, putting the third club on board on the river. And he checks, and I decide to make a big bluff. Because if he's got an ace, I'm just not good here. But if he's got an ace and not a club draw like I was thinking on the turn, this is an awful card for him. Because I either have him beat with a better ace from his perspective, or I've been semi-bluffing all the way with clubs, and now I just got there. So I decide to put in another nice big chunky bet and I bet 225 into 295 and he goes into the tank and he tanks and tanks and tanks and he folds his hand. Hot damn. Hot damn. We got it through. This was a really interesting hand, I thought, because it's not that often that you're going to turn middle pair into a bluff because middle pair doesn't really operate well as a bluff theoretically, right? It's got enough showdown value where its incentive is just to get to the river, to get to showdown cheaply. But in this specific situation, based on the actions that he took, and then also his tank on the turn, I was able to range him onto a hand that was slightly better than mine. And in that situation, my middle pair actually doesn't have showdown value. In that situation, it's just not good. And the perfect card came on the river, because think about it from his perspective. Again, like if he has a weak ace, all of a sudden, this is the worst card in the deck for him when a third club comes. Because, like I said, either I've got a better ace or I was bluffing with a club draw and just made it. How can he call this bet? He just he just can't do it. He just can't call the bet. And he ends up folding the hand. And, you know, this was just one of the spots I was really dialed into. And I thought it was a very creative spot for a bluff. You know, I, I've put a number of these bluffs on this podcast where I've bluffed with hands that don't really 
generally look like bluffs, like a bluff with top pair sometimes. You know, this time I, blo- I, I bluffed with middle pair. Because when you're going through the hand, if you can figure out that that theoretically decently strong showdown value actually isn't that good in this specific situation, you can turn it into a bluff and you can really, really win some hands that you weren't meant to win. And I did that in this hand. So again, congratulations to me, Obama putting a medal on himself dot meme. That is our two hands for the podcast, you guys. And you might notice there was no hand that I really fucked up and need to fire myself into the sun for. And uh, I hate to disappoint you guys. I know it's probably everybody's favorite part of the podcast, but we missed out on it this week because frankly, this week I didn't do anything really stupid. Like I I definitely made some small mistakes along the way. Of course I always do, but for the most part, I played pretty bulletproof, didn't do anything extraordinarily dumb. And uh, I'm really proud of that. So uh, hate to hate to disappoint you guys, but uh, I, I do think that these hands that I put on here were really interesting hands. I thought they were fun hands, and uh, and there you go. So that's going to do it. You guys, wish me luck in Vegas. Uh, I hope to do another podcast where I don't have any big boners, but sadly, that's probably likely not going to be the case. But in any event, wish me luck in Vegas. Hope that I uh, run really good and and smash it up there at, uh, at the 510 games at the Bellagio and the win. And thank you guys so much for listening until next week, play good and run pure.